Good evening. Amen. Thank you. Good evening, New Covenant Fellowship Church and all the missionaries around the world. It is a great honor to be here tonight with you guys. My name is Conrad. This is my wife, Heidi. And uh, this is a great privilege and a great honor. Thank you for allowing us to come back and be with you guys um, every year that you, you know we have this. It's a, it's a blessing and it's just a great time to be able to recognize and celebrate the life of Pastor Dale and everything that he's done for all of our ministries, all of our all the work that God is doing through every one of us, and it's a great time. I want to give my wife Heidi. You know, she's got a couple of words for you guys. I just so. want to uh, say hi and thank you to each of you. Thank you guys so much for bringing back the mission conferences. <laughs> I mean, gosh, God is good. Amen. <laughs> nice. Amen. And um, when I, I was looking at the children that you guys have, the youth here and my kids that are here now, and because of the slogan that you guys put for the mission conferences, it reminded me of my time when God flickered that mission heart in my heart. I was only 17 years old when I read the book, Jesus Freaks. <laughs> Remember that book? <laughs> Through that book, God just put something in my heart for the missions. Amen. There was something there. You know, in that time. So that was the time when the Lord um, placed that in my heart. And through that, uh, you know, I know that God took us to from missions, from become missionaries to now pastoring. But as pastors, we both have a mission heart. Amen. And so now as pastors, we believe that saying that Rick Warren has that a healthy church is not based on the number of people you have at church, but the number of people that you send out. And Amen. I know that through this church... We became missionaries in May of 2008. July 2008, we were here on our first mission conference. And when I came here to that first mission conference, I met so many of you guys missionaries. You guys had all that experience. You know, that when, you know, when we met you, I remember Ben here jumping and dancing because he went to Zacatecas and came back. And I remember talking to her and telling her, we want to be over there, but we don't know how. You know, I remember all those times that one year, I remember in that year, it ignited that fire. Amen. So through this church, and now I'm so glad to have now that experience throughout since 2008 until now and be able to share to the young youth now that God can start flickering that now. Amen. So I'm praying for the youth. Thank you so much again for the mission conferences, and I can't wait for next year. <laughs> Amen. Amen. I wanna, before we get into the word, I want to share a story, a Pastor Dale story that happened not too long ago. It happened only a couple of years ago when they went. Unfortunately, I don't know if he remembers this. It's, it's an unfortunate time when he fell and broke his hip. But uh, he went down there and uh, spent some time with us in, in Peñasco. And uh, we had a great time, Pastor Stan and, and Becky, who are the founders of the church that we now pastor. They founded it how long ago? 20. Four to almost 25 years ago. Can we give them a round of applause for that? Yeah. Amen. And uh, we were down there in Rocky Point, you know, Pastor Stan and Becky and Pastor Dale, and we're having a great time with the church. And, you know, and the whole time that we were down there, we, we had a great conversation with Pastor Dale. And, and it was finally time to start driving back to Phoenix and, and be able to take them to the, to the airport. And as I remember, he had to get in, in the vehicle that I was driving because he wasn't feeling too well. So 
he got to drive with me on the way back. And we're, you know, we're driving back and we're talking. And we're talking kingdom. We're talking church. We're talking everything. You know, he's asking questions and I'm talking and he's talking. And the hours continue to go by and to pass. But then a time came where you just have nothing to say. Have you ever been there? You know, you're, you're driving, you're talking, and suddenly out of nowhere, just nothing happens, right? You, and here I am, I'm driving, and I'm thinking, what else can I say, you know? <laughs> I think, what else can I say? You know, we talked about, about everything, you know? I'm thinking in my head, we talked about the church, we talked about the leadership, we talked about the trainings. And I, and I'm, and I spent, I don't know, a good five, ten minutes thinking to myself, this is awkward. Say something, you know, I'm telling myself, and... And I'm trying to talk, and I'm looking ahead because I don't want to look at him because I don't know what to say. And finally, I'm, I said, oh, I'm just going to talk about it. And I turn around, and he's speaking in tongues. <laughs> he's just out, He doesn't waste any time. He's out there. You know, he's been speaking in tongues the last 10 minutes. And I just want to honor Pastor Dale for that. So that was a good, good memory, good time with him. Uh, tonight, we're going we're gonna to go ahead and get into the word. We heard one Spanish word already, right? Gloria a Dios, right? <laughs> we heard one. I'm going to teach you a second one. Is that okay? Now, this word works in the Spanish language. It doesn't matter which country you're in. doesn't matter what culture. It works. Okay? It will get you out of any trouble, every trouble, no matter what it is. Okay? No matter which country you're in, it will get you out of trouble. Are you ready? Cristo Jesús. Can we say that again? Cristo Jesús, which is Jesus Christ. There is power in the name of Jesus. Amen. Let's go ahead and pray. Let's go ahead and get started tonight. Father, we just thank you for the opportunity that you give us to be together. Thank you because in your perfect will, you have arranged every one of us to be here. Thank you for your son and your word that is Holy Spirit, just increase our understanding of you. Allow us to be able to see you clearly as we read through your word. That it may not be my words, but it be you speaking to us. Giving us encouragement to continue on because it is your work. This is your kingdom. And we, we serve you, Lord. So tonight, allow us... To not only be together as one, but to be in harmony and unity as we read and we allow you to teach us and to allow you to change our life and our perspective of your word, Lord. Thank you for this time. In Jesus' name, Cristo Jesus. Amen. Amen. We're going to go to 2 Timothy chapter 1, which is where we're, we're studying. You know, we're, we're, we're in this topic, in this theme of uh, flickering the flame. And I have a well, we have the Bible verse of Second Timothy chapter one verse seven, but I want to go ahead and get started in verse three. Now we know that the Apostle Paul wrote two letters to Timothy, and we know that Timothy grew up in in in, in the knowledge of the, of the Word. You know, his his mother and his grandmother raised him well. Uh, Paul took him under his wing and trained him and. And taught him everything that he was about, you know, he was meant to know about the, about Jesus and about the kingdom and about church. And then finally when the time came, when the church in Ephesus was under trouble, he sends him. You know, he, he grabs Timothy and he says, go and do what I tell you to do. Do what the Lord tells you to do. Take care of this. Because there was a lot of problems in that church at that moment. We had a lot of confusion and a lot of 
bad things going on. Nothing like what happens today, right, at churches. But uh, back then it was rough, you know. And so he had to send Timothy, you know. And he sent him, and he sent him his first letter. And, he's, and he was very specific, you know. He was very to the point and clear. Be careful with this doctrine. Be careful with what you're doing. Be careful with this. Watch out for these two people because they're ruining, you know, what the, what the Word of God is saying. And he, he gave them very specific rules on how to, how to take care of that church at, at that moment. But now when we get into the second letter, we now see an Apostle Paul again in the prison in Rome. And he really believes that this is the end. As we read through this whole letter, the second letter, the Apostle Paul truly believes this is the end. The time has come. And he has one request for him as he sends this letter. You know, and as he gives him advice and as he says, take care of it, in the heart of of the Apostle Paul was for Timothy to come back and spend the last days with him. He wanted for that protege, that, that, that son in the faith to come back and be able to spend time with him. And as he starts this, uh, this letter, I want to start reading in, well, let's start in, in, in verse 1 so we get the, the whole context. It says, Paul, the apostle of Christ Jesus, by God's will, for the promise of the life of Jesus Christ... To Timothy, my dearly loved child, grace and mercy and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. So he sets it up like he always does. And then he says, I thank God, whom I serve with a clear conscience, as my forefathers did when I constantly remember you in my prayers night and day. And as I look around, I see faithful missionaries, faithful pastors, faithful people of God around here. Remembering your tears, I long see you that I may be filled with joy. Clearly recalling your sincere faith that first lived in your grandmother Lois, then in your mother Eunice, and that I am convinced it is in you also. So he's starting to set something up where there's something among the people of God. Therefore, I remind you to keep ablaze the gift of God. That it is in you through the laying of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fearfulness, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. And as I read those three descriptions, it decries Jesus Christ. Cristo Jesus is power. He is love and he is sound judgment. And I know he's not just talking about only Jesus because he's obviously talking about the power of the Holy Spirit as he's talking about the laying of the hands and and the power that is within us. And I recognize and I remember how Jesus was talking to his disciples and says, it is in your best interest for me to go. Remember that? You will benefit if I go. Because if I go, I will send you another counselor that will be free to be able to live inside every one of you and guide every one of you because we all work and we all live for the one kingdom of Jesus Christ. So that's the setup, right? 
That's the setup of how we are all, no matter if we're missionaries or if we come to church, it's the same kingdom. We work for the same kingdom. We work for the same king. And as, I, and as I pray and as I think and I meditate, you know, why some of us answer the call and some of us may not even hear the call. Because we were there at one point. You know, we didn't. We were Christians. We would come to church. We would be faithful. We would give our tidings. And we were living life. Right? But really, answering the call to be a missionary doesn't mean that you're further ahead. Or that you're doing more. We need to understand that, as Paul said it is, we live only for Christ. No matter where you're at, no matter if you're going to school, no matter if you're working, no matter what, what is your situation at this moment. We tend to give levels and we tend to give priorities or... But I want us to hear... What Paul is saying to Timothy. Because it doesn't matter what calling we have or what gift, you know, we've received. They're not ours. We didn't work for them. We didn't study for them. I like that Bible verse because it says that if you want to follow him, it's not, of that, it's not of that one who desires or even runs the race or tries to. is whoever God has mercy upon. Right? So as we look at each other today, the mercy of God is upon us because he has chosen every one of us to be in his kingdom. So we're all children of God. And it's when we speak about the fire and we speak about the power... I want us to remember power, love, and sound judgment. Those are three descriptions that we must live by if we are to represent the King of kings and Lord of lords. We know that love is above all, and we know, we know a lot of scripture. And that's, you know. But as Paul is telling to Timothy, hey, I'm getting ready to not be here anymore. You're getting ready to take over the reins. And I know we, I see a lot of people that are getting ready to take over some reins. Remember that for God has not given us a spirit of fear, fearfulness, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. Those are the three things that will keep the fire going as the Holy Spirit lives in us. When, whenever we want to throw in the towel, whenever we don't feel like going you know, further anymore, whenever we start seeing the situations instead of the Creator... Because we all go through that, you know, where, you know, the objects become too big in front of us and we don't know and we don't realize that the Creator is in control of everything. Remember that we have, through the, through the power of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit, we have power, love, and sound judgment. And I want us to remember, I know, we, I'm, I know we're all knowledgeable of the Word of God, but I want us to remember... What happened when John the Baptist is getting ready to baptize Jesus? Remember that story? And uh, it, it's, it's, it's funny because John says, I don't really know who this person is. 
I just know he's coming. And I just know I got to I gotta open the way. You know, I got I to gotta lead the way. I got to open this road. When he's out in the wilderness with the, with the Father, you know, he, and with the Lord, and he's, he's just having, you know, a time with the Lord. And the Lord says, it, the time has come. It's time for you to go back. It's time for you to start preaching. You know, and then you will know when that person comes because, and then he gives a description, remember? And he knows Jesus is his cousin, right? So when he sees him, he doesn't see his cousin. He sees a man. And then there's an audible voice of the Father of the Lord. And what I want us to focus on today is how the Holy Spirit came down upon him, you know, in the shape or in the form of a dove. But here's the key. We can go there, that we can see, we can, we can read it. It's also in John. John chapter 1, verse 29. And it says, The next day John saw Jesus coming towards him, and he said, here is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is the one I told you about. After me comes a man who, is, who has surpassed me because he existed before me. I didn't know him. I didn't know him. That's important. I didn't know him. Not because he didn't know who Jesus was. He has still had not had that face-to-face experience with the Lamb of God. It's a little similar like Job, right? When he said, from hearings from far away, I used to know you, but now I see you face-to-face. So he says, I didn't know him, but I came baptizing with water so he may be revealed to Israel. And John testified, I watched the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove. And here it is. As he remained in him. As he rested in him, says this translation. The Spirit of the Lord, not, the Spirit of the Lord must, not, must not only come to us, but remain in us. You know, it's a great privilege to be able to be the house of the Spirit. For the Spirit to live inside of us, to guide us, to teach us. But the sign, the testimony of who we belong to. Not who we are, but who we belong to. It needs to be the Holy Spirit. And just like in Jesus, the Holy Spirit remained in Him. You know, I found out that there's only a few differences between pigeons and doves. I don't know if you've done a research. Doves are pigeons you can train to do whatever you want. It had to be a dove because it had to be a, an untamed animal. So when it happened, it would be supernatural. Because it was not only... A miracle or, or a wonder to see a dove come and rest upon somebody, but to remain in him. 
that was the signal. That was, that was the glorious sign that this is the one. So as we look into our lives and we start seeing all this negativity around the world and how the world gets worse and worse and worse. Sometimes we make a mistake and think we're here to change the world. We're not. We're here for the people. Many years ago, God gave us the desire to open up a Christian school. But God closed doors. Pastor standing begging, no. We want to open a school. We want to open a school. But the understanding and the window was not clear at that time. Today we realize that we are not here to change the schools or the school systems. We are here to provide an alternative. And that's the biggest difference. When we think about missions, we think we got to go change the world. No, we got to give an alternative. And there's only one alternative out there that will truly change people's lives. So it doesn't matter what your ministry is or what you do or what your giftings are. I mean, it's good to have ideas. It's good to prepare. It's good to, to, to go through processes. I think God uses us to give us strength. But remember, we have power, we have love, and we have a sound judgment when the Holy Spirit is upon us. So if you're thinking you're not ready, that's not the right question. Is he ready to send me? Because the time will come. We, didn't, we, have, we had given up on the school. At least I forgot about it. And when the time came, God just keeps opening doors. I don't know if you guys know much about Mexico, but the politics is very hard. Bureaucracy is very strong, right? And in Sonora, which is a state that we serve under, a couple of years ago, we had a daycare go on fire and killed most of the young kids there. Very tragic. Because of that, they made a whole bunch of new rules. One of them is you have to be a certain amount of distance from any hazards. One of them being a gas station. You can't be within a certain amount of feet or meters to a gas station. Well, we're within that range. They're not going to change that rule. The process has started. The permits are in. Nobody's ever said anything about the, about the gas station. They haven't even asked about the gas station. We're just going on forward. Why? Because when he opens the doors, nobody closes. Amen. So it is very important for us to recognize that the one who is helping us, guiding us, counseling us, is God himself. The Holy Spirit who dwells in us will guide us and give us clarity on how to make decisions and how to go forward. So it is very important for us to understand 
that is not us. It's not what we do. It's not why we do it. It's what he wants to do through us. And there is power in him. How many can testify that there is power in Jesus? If we started right now and started giving testimonies, we would be here all night. And we, we all have testimonies about how, what the power of Jesus. But I want to go and I want us to go to, in the same book of John, I want to show us something tonight that we might have missed that's going to give us strength in the Lord, that's going to flicker that fire that we want to be able to serve a God of power. We serve a God of power. There's no power like him. He is the great and almighty power. Amen. So let's go to Jesus. I mean, sorry, to John. We can see the, the life of Jesus in John chapter 18, verse 1. And we're going to go a little slow so we don't miss, miss the details, okay? The other, the other gospels kind of just go and go straight forward and kind of focus on Judas. And Judas was a traitor and he sold them and they took them, right? If you read the other, if you, if you read the other gospels. But John took some notes that are very important for us. When it comes to power. Okay. I'm going to start in verse 1. It says, after Jesus had said these things, he went out with his disciples across Kidron Valley, where there was a garden, and he and his disciples went into it. Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place because Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas took a company of soldiers and some temple police from the chief priest and the Pharisees and came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. So we already know what's going to happen, right? The soldiers didn't know who Jesus was. Judas had betrayed him and religion has said, We'll send you the army. We'll give you the army. But they didn't know who he was. So Judas had to point him out. Then Jesus knowing everything. Can we say that Jesus knows everything? <laughs> he knows everything. Jesus knowing everything that was about to happen to him went out. And said to them, I'm going to go slow. I want, I want us to capture this moment. He didn't wait for the soldiers to come to him. He went out to them. And then he says, who it is you are looking for? Who is it that you are looking for? All they had was a name. Jesus of Nazareth, they answered. I am he. Jesus told them, Judas, who betrayed him, was also standing with him. When he told them, I am he, they stepped back and fell to the ground. Yes, 
They were there to capture him. But they could not. Because there's power in Jesus. Can you imagine those soldiers saying, oh, you're it, let's go get him. And they could not. They were pushed back by a supernatural force. And they were laid to the ground. Then he asked again, here comes a very important question that we can apply to ourselves. Who is it that you're looking for? Jesus of Nazarene, they said. I told you, I'm here. Jesus replied, So if you are to look for me, let this man go. Even the soldiers had an opportunity. Even though they were just obeying orders, even though they were just doing what they were told to do, Jesus says, If you really are looking for me, if you really want to get to know who I am, I'm available. That's what he's saying. If you really want to know Jesus of Nazareth, he's saying he is he. You and I can know Jesus at that level. He gave him an opportunity. Verse 9 says, this was to fulfill the words he had said. I have not lost one of those you have given me. You know what other, what other word comes to mind? When he says, no one takes my life. I have the power to put it and I have the power to take it back. You know, we think, or it's been taught to us that Judas betrayed him, that the Romans killed him, but Jesus gave himself for you and I. That's power. There's power in the name of Jesus. So as we're thinking about where we're going to go, how we're going to go, and just know that if you are in Jesus and Jesus is in you, There's nothing and nobody can touch you. Why are we scared? Why are we scared to go on mission trips? Why are we scared to listen to the voice and go, oh, no, but I'm not ready financially. Oh, I have debt or I have this or I have. There's power in the name of Jesus. Don't matter what the call is. No matter, just all we have to do is be obedient and answer it. And to know, I mean, God Himself said, In this world, there will be suffering. You will go through rough times, there will be persecution, but fear not. Because why? Because I will be with you till the end of the world. I don't know about you, but I'd rather be in the pit with Jesus than at home without Him. 
Could we stand for just a couple minutes? I know. We, we want to, I know we know the word, but I think we need to give more time to that power. And I know Pastor Cornell here has got people ready to pray upon and minister and bring revelation to us. Know that if Jesus is in control and he is in us, the fire is already there. There's already fire in us. We just have to recognize it. I want to share a testimony about the cartel. When we talk Mexico, what's the first thing that comes to you? The cartel, right? That's the first thing. I get a call. You know, we get a call from the groups all the time. Hey, can we come? Is it safe down there? I say it jokingly, but I do say it. I say, well, you have to fly into Phoenix. Once we get you out of Phoenix, I think we'll be okay. <laughs> Once we get you out of Phoenix, I think we'll be okay. But a couple of years ago, I was in Wachineta. We were in Wachineta. We were still ministering in Wachineta. And um, the main cartel guy was in town. And I was talking, I was telling uh, Benjamin and some of you guys yesterday about this, but my dad and I were in this car that he doesn't drive much. So it's not a known car to the people, to the cartel. And we were driving this car and we were going down a hill and we get pulled over by the main cartel guy. I know him. He knows us. And as he pulls us over, he gets out of his car, and I'm, I'm in the passenger seat. My dad is driving, and I'm seeing him through the rearview mirror. And as he gets off, he's fully decked out. You know, he's got the vest, and he's got the 9, and he's got the AK-47 and everything. And as he's coming towards us to find out who we are, my dad gets out of the car. Big mistake. He gets out of the car and he tries to walk towards him but slips and takes a couple of hard steps towards him. And I'm seeing this through the mirror. And as he slips and takes those steps towards him, he pulls and cocks the AK-47. So when I see that, my reaction is to get out of the car. What I did not realize is the bodyguard for that guy was on the other side of the truck. So when I get out of the car, I see the bodyguard, and he's already with his 9mm pointing towards me. So I was in shock. So when I came out and I saw him, now this happened in seconds, but I'm going slow so you can kind of get what's going on. As I get out of the car and I see him and he sees me, he jumps into his truck. He takes a dive into his truck then I scream I say it's us and the whole problem is resolved I didn't recognize it at that moment but as we were leaving my question is what did that bodyguard see because I was not armed I, didn't, I wasn't even ready for him I didn't even know he was there but when he saw me he didn't see me. He saw the power of Jesus. Can we give him an honor and glory? Amen.
Amen. So I'll give this time to Pastor Cornell, and you can take over, brother. Do what you need to do. Thank you, brother.